for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Like Carl Gamage would say, so you want to go on your first elk hunt, you say. But there are a bazillion questions cluttering up the process and making the whole thing look way too complicated. Well, y'all, you've come to the right place. Because one thing we're good at is simplification. And in this series, it's all about the basics. From your gear, weapons, where, camping and calling basics, to scouting, tactics, closing, and success basics. Simplified. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Brought to you by AllGrows.com with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for our blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, pull up a chair and welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show. And on tonight's crew, we've got them all. we got Luis Gonzalez. That's right. The leader of the Venezuelan mafia, Luis Gonzalez, is in the house. <laughs> and from Canada, our man with the plan from way up in Canada, the world champion elk caller himself, Mr. Travis O'Shea, and we've got our elk calling coaches in the house, Joe Gillia and Leroy the Ninja Chavez out of Cimarron, New Mexico. Welcome in, fellas. How's it going? Doing, brothers. Going good. Doing good. Going good. Yeah. Getting snow in New Mexico. I'm a Ooh. poet and don't know it, man. <laughs> Look at your feet. Long, fellas, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, man. It's like... 
It's one of those things that every time I tell it's going to be, you know, snow here, I put this thing on the windshields on the vehicle so that you can take the snow off. No snow. <laughs> no snow. I took it off yesterday, woke up this morning. <laughs> you know? Hey, was, it, was it Mondo that was hunting javelinas in the snow today? He, I he saw was, him online. Actually, yesterday and I think the day before, he was up there with, uh, up there, I say, he was down over in Arizona with John Stallone over there oh, hunting javelinas. Wow. Yeah. Gotcha. I talked to John yesterday and he's like, man, we couldn't got the worst weather conditions. He, he, it was spitting snow. It was nasty. It was windy. It was cold. Hard to find the critters. The wind was howling. I guess, um, he had a, he had a javelina at what would be our effective and, you know, pretty efficient killing range, <laughs> but he couldn't hold still because of the wind. Because of the wind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy. So he ends up getting like, I don't know, seven or 10 yards on some of these and, and one part of the group blows out of there and he had one only five yards to the side of him that John was like, and when they blew out, they almost ran John over. He oh, was yeah, telling they're, they're story. Critters, he, man. he said yeah. he had one only about five yards from him and he's trying to tell our, you know, Armando, but the wind and everything, it just, it just, he said it was comical. He said it was a lot of fun, but, you know, it was pretty cool. So Weather-wise, yeah. here in Houston, we like to keep it interesting. We don't know what we're getting the next day. We've had temperature swings of, I don't know, 40, 50 degrees. degrees. Yeah. yeah 70 degrees more. in the past couple of weeks, man. I mean, yeah. today it was 80, and, to, you know, a week ago it was in the mid-20s. So, I mean, yeah, It's crazy, supposed to crazy, drop man. next couple of days again. Yeah, mm. yeah, because they know I'm going to fish a tournament. It's going to be nasty and blowing. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to yeah. where you were getting that raccoon tan from, man. Yeah, man. So Logan and I have started uh, the series of the Fishers of Men. Uh, it's a Christian-based uh, fishing circuit and caters to, uh, you know, the Christian sect here in East Texas and end up cutting a check on our first tournament out of Toledo Bend. So always <laughs> nice when you come home with more money in your pocket than you left with. And we didn't damage anything, didn't break nothing. So ended up finishing 18th <laughs> out of 140 boats. So. Not a bad wow. deal. That's all. That's a showing right there. Yeah, yeah, man. We made a little, little bit of a showing. Not, not like I'm used to. You know, normally I'm at the front of the pay window. And this time we were at the back of the pay window. But uh, we're getting better. Uh, I tell you what, Joe. You know, it's been a while since I put the tournament hat on, and um, you know, I fish a few oil field events from time to time. They're super not serious, but huh? um, it's got those juices flowing again. So. <laughs> well, you know, it, the other day, it's Go ahead, just a Joe. good thing you got low to carry you now you know so. he, you know he has been carrying the team he's, he's he's uh got a great great eye for this he's a sponge you know we're really teaching him how to run the boat in really rough water and uh-huh. stuff like that i mean these are very dangerous situations so i put him at the helm and, and and on our practice day and we had 25 mile an hour north winds and we probably saw some six footers and uh he he put the first four footer over the bow of that boat and like to washed him out of it and it freaked <laughs> him the hell out. I mean he's like he goes, I just panicked. I didn't know what else to do. I said, you can't get off the throttle, son. You got to keep, I said, the big thing is you can't get greedy. You got to keep the nose of the boat up. So it was a really big learning moment for him, you know, yeah. oh, and yeah. uh, he thinks, you know, he can just get in that thing and go fishing. And that's not, man, you got yours and your partner's life in your hands. And yeah. oh yeah, um, we're teaching him all. Of, I mean, you're in a Ferrari with no brakes. 
You know, yeah. uh, it's it's a different whole deal. Deal, and uh, he's learning. Uh, one of the things he had to do, Joe, I got it on camera and video, is he had to learn how to get back in the boat if he fell out. And brother, in fifty-two degree water, when you fall, <laughs> when you jump in the water and have to get back in that twenty-one foot skeeter, son, he, he, he couldn't breathe when he hit that water. I said, but for me, if I'm going to allow him to fish by himself. Yeah, he's he got to be able to get himself back in the boat Absolutely. and know how yeah. to. He, yep. He's yeah. like, Dad, this is horrible. So uh, we were at the ramp. We just got done fishing, and I told Logan, I said, you're going to jump out right here, right here by the boat dock, you know, and I'll throw you the float cushion, and you can climb back in, you know. And uh so he's getting stripped down, stripped down, and the guys are all loading their boats, and they're like, he lost a bet, didn't he? He lost a bet. Like, oh, I just got a crazy dad, man. Yeah, I said, no, man, I'm just a crazy dad. He wants to start taking the boat out by himself. So, oh, yeah, he, he jumped in. I mean, as soon as he come up, he couldn't breathe. He goes, I had no clue that that's what that felt like, you know. Oh, yeah. Asphyxiating. You know. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he couldn't breathe. He got in. He goes, he goes, this is the most debilitating thing I've ever, mm-hmm. I said, well, okay, you're in 52 degree water, 53 degree water. It gets worse as it gets colder. But the big thing is you're able to get yourself back in the boat and we put enough equipment in the boat to get you warm again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and get you back to somewhere where you can get warm and not get hypothermia. You yeah. got about 35, 40 minutes in the water and you'll die yeah. if you don't get out, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and- to carry that over to our listeners are listening here, man. This same thing, that same type of event, hypothermia is, can be bad news for an elk hunter that gets wet, gets chilled, you That's know, right. out there. And, um, I've been in a bad situation where I've actually broken through ice and been in water. And luckily I was in such freezing conditions that I was able to get out, roll in that snow and freeze up the outside. Exactly. So it didn't soak me too bad. But I tell you what, um, it is not nothing to play with. You, you really got to understand that once you start shivering, you know, and shivering violently and your body trying to warm up, yeah. you had better be finding some way to warm yourself up, you know, to get out of wet stuff, you know, to get some kind of shelter, to get, you know, heat, something in your body because hypothermia will fool you to thinking that everything's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It'll make so, you walk in different directions too, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You found that so, out, huh, bro? <laughs> what? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Travis, so, man, great having you here. Thanks for joining us. Our, our, uh, our Northern Elk Bros coach, man, up in Canada. Yeah. You know, thanks for having me again, guys. Oh, well, you know, you're going to become a, you know, whenever we can get you on here, man, I yeah. to have you and, and uh, people want to be hearing a lot because, you know, our crew is coming up and partnering with your crew. We're having the Can-Am <laughs> Elk Hunt, uh, Elk Bros and the Wapiti Outdoors up there are going to be yeah. new forces and hunting elk in Canada. And oh, it, it, it's so cool because, you know, we have this WhatsApp group where we're all getting to know each other and, and, uh, yeah. it, it's, I, I've got some things that uh, I'm going to comment on that WhatsApp here pretty soon because those guys are way too respectful. I think sometimes now amongst, <laughs> you, <laughs> amongst your group, yeah. you guys are like, wow, wow, wow. But oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll say something, I'll throw like a little joke out there and it's like, 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't say nothing back. I'm like, what's, I know. what's going on, man? They, they, yeah. they don't want to offend the, the Southern boys or what, you know? So. I know. It was too funny. I, I told them I was coming on with you guys tonight, and they just said, say hi. Yeah, man. Hopefully they listen. You know, yeah. we can't what? wait to come up there and hunt with them boys. Well, yeah. Luis got a little thing going where Luis got on there and, uh, and Luis, that really impressed my wife that you came up with that idea, man. You're, you're like one of her top, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, I do this and I, I'm telling her something I'm doing. Yeah, but <laughs> man, what a great guy. Luis, is. <laughs> Luis, Luis created a competition. Tell us about it, Luis. Yeah, no. So, um, the thought process was honestly, I mean, I was falling behind. I started the year not where I wanted to start the year as far as exercising, you know, and, and eating right and all that stuff. So I was like, man, I, I need to, I need to get going. Right. And, uh, you know, it, Travis was great in that WhatsApp group as far as like getting everybody to talk about shot placement, which I thought it was pretty cool because, you know, he posts a picture. He said, where would you shoot this animal depending on the position? And then it gets the discussion going and everybody kind of gives different opinion that we were talking about broadheads and all that stuff. It's like, man, this is awesome. And I think we can help mo- motivate each other also um, <clears throat> into exercising. So... I got to thinking, I was like, man, what if we do some sort of a challenge? Something to where, you know, every week we measure ourselves and we, we have a little competition going and, you know, there's 12 of us. And so, um, just kind of figuring, okay, the top two, uh, people that get the most calories burned in more than 30 minute exercise a week, uh, don't pay that week. And the other, the, the remaining, um, the participants will pay two bucks that week and put it in a pot. And so we'll accumulate all of that and we'll do, we had 26 weeks left until we actually go to our hunt together. And so, you know, at the end of the, uh, of the challenge, then we'll have a nice pot in there. And then what we could do as a team is take that money and then use it for uh, any any charity, any charity in, in Canada. So, yeah, awesome. uh, I figure, man, that, that'll be, that'll be a good way to kind of get everybody going and everybody trying to not have to pay the $2, but that's, <laughs> it's not about that. It's about everybody actually <clears throat> trying to exercise and then at the end of the day, doing something nice for, you know, our Canadian brothers. Well, and I, and I think yeah. whoever doesn't do a 30 minute exercise the whole time has to pay the entire amount, like match it, you know? Uh, yeah, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Some of some of the guys, some of the guys is like that. We're like, just tell us how much we need to pay. <laughs> yeah, can I send my money now? We'll yeah. pay. We'll pay it up front. <laughs> yeah. like, that was no, funny. that ain't the idea. You know? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, no, no. I, I tell you, Chav and uh, Chav's been kicking everybody's butt. Uh, yeah. The first couple of weeks there. He's a, he, he's a beast. A beast. That's <laughs> yeah. My, my yeah. normal routine. <laughs> An awesome routine, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So the good thing is, you know, when we get up there, man, uh, it, it, we ought to have people in shape. People are excited. We ought to know each other pretty well. Um, yep. 
you know, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, all of that that's going on like that. And what a great group of guys that, that you have with you, Travis. I'm sorry we couldn't match up, you know. Um, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it'll, it'll work itself out. <laughs> yeah, I'll, tell, I'll tell you this. It was easier to find a, a group of better guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything is relative. Yeah. It's like rock stars next to yeah. us. You know, the one thing though is, I only have one complaint about the workouts is that I see that all the calories are happening up there from our, from our northern brothers, man, from all this rowing and swimming. And I'm like, we ain't gonna be doing any of that out there, man. What's up with that? No, I know, I don't know. Just we got such an awesome facility; it's got everything. So that's pretty we're, cool. We're that's in there like Flynn. <laughs> oh, we got um, this is way cool. What we're doing tonight? We're actually starting yes. this series on basics to becoming an elk hunter. And you know, we were talking about this Gil before. You were talking about people that talk to you, and they're just like, you know. How do we start? What do we do? You know, and we're always talking about elk hunting and we, we go in depth in a lot of things. And I think we try to do a good job of doing it in a way that people can understand that really don't have those skill sets yet. Yeah. But really it's still when you start listening to things, there's so many choices and people take it to all these different depths. And you know, when Chav and I started out elk hunting, we were about as simple as you can get. We're still simple-minded, but we were about yeah. as basic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Starting with Monano. <laughs> That's why we all get along. But it was basically <laughs> as basic and simple as you could get. And what I'd like to do is so that it's not so daunting for those people that are wanting to go elk hunting for the first time is to simplify things. And and. Mm. We're going to have to work at that a little bit as we do yeah. that. We're going to have to challenge each other mm-hmm. as far as yeah. simplifying that. But um, yeah. hopefully for you guys listening, man, you guys sitting at camp today, um, it, who knows? Y'all bear with us. Bear yeah. with us, and we'll get to that content for sure. But first up here, Joe, we need to get over to our Elk Bros mailbox. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, so we we got Jeff Stalkup. How do you pronounce it? I think yeah, it's Stalkup. Stalkup. That's how I would Stalkup. say it. Stalkup. Yeah. Stalkup. He says, not sure – if uh, the states you hunt in allow you to carry a handgun for protection while hunting, but if so, do you carry a handgun for protection from bears or cougars? If you are allowed to carry a handgun but don't, why not? I think that's a great question. It's, it's a, a great awesome question. question, man. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I'll just tell you, I'll, I'll start on my side, you know, because we have a little bit different thing. We Now we have Travis that's from up north where there's them them apex predators up there. Yeah, yeah. the real deal. <laughs> I'm actually thinking a little bit differently. Now, I can't take a handgun because there's issues with that going to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, handguns are illegal, aren't they? <clears throat> yeah, we're not allowed to pack them. We get uh, the biggest can of bear spray that you can put on your hip, basically, and you go with it. <laughs> but here in the U.S., I've been hunting for this, you know, for 40 seasons already. I've never carried a handgun. Um, you know, my wife and I have had conversations about that. You know, she's, she's like, well, what if you come? Number one, I've never had an issue with a mountain lion ever. I've come across a kill mm-hmm. where, you know, I got real, you know, kind of worried about it a little bit, but, yeah. um, and bears, I've all the bears I've ever come across in the wild, 
wanted to put space between me and them as soon as possible if I if they yeah. realized I was there. Now I've come across cubs a couple of times, but you know I, I managed to move so that in a way so that they could smell me and get out of there as well. But I've always had enough confidence with my bow that um, it's the only weapon I carry, and I and mm-hmm. I don't. You know, I don't want to carry the extra weight. Luis um, used to carry one when you first. I do. Mm-hmm. And Gil, you carry one? Mm-hmm. And sometimes. just depends on where I'm at. If I'm in an area that I can guarantee you if I go to grizzly country in the U.S. and the, the lower upper 40, I'm carrying one. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to do it, right, if I'm allowed to. Uh, black bears and cougars, I ain't so scared of. Um, I, I've been around a lot of bears. And look, they, they are very curious animal. Uh, been around a lot of black bears. One gave me a pass. So that's the reason why I don't hunt them here. Now these Canada bears, they ain't gave me mm-hmm. a pass yet. So they might get me. <laughs> uh, yeah. the, these American bears here have, for the most part, <clears throat> if you try to give them space, they'll give you space. They're just big, I call them big raccoons that are curious, you know. Um, and they are, and I imagine if they're in a, in an area where they don't have any food or they're out foraging for food that they're starving, well, maybe they would put you on the hit list. But <clears throat> I think if they can eat, you know, they're omnivores, if they can get some good food of their own to eat, they really want to distance themselves from humans. So yeah. a cougar is yeah. a different deal, man. That's a truly the apex predator, uh, in, you know, when they're hungry, they eat. And if you're on the agenda, they're going to get after you. So, yeah. um, it's yeah. a, at the end of the deal, I'm, you know, I, I would fear a cougar a lot more than I would a bear because you know, a cougar would, will actually end up hunting you. And I would actually yeah. fear one of, I would fear one around if I was hunting in areas close to homes in like Colorado where, yes. they, you know, yeah. where those guys have actually gotten accustomed to people. Yeah, you know, I think yes. that's when it, yes. it becomes an issue. California uh, really comes to mind. There's a lot of hikers that get attacked in California because there's no managing of the cougar population there, right? So when they're illegal to to kill. So at the end yeah. of the day, um, there are a lot of population. So if I was in a high populated mm-hmm. area, I'd probably carry a handgun. I, I think, yeah. in in my opinion, you know, if if you're allowed to carry, I would be evaluating. Caring, you know the the problem, in my opinion, is that okay, caliper. I'm going to be caring. What size gun? Because yeah. it all adds to the additional weight that you're going to be carrying, the comfort, yeah. and where sure. you're going to carry it, and all that, right? So if you're thinking of a bear, then you're thinking, well, ten millimeter, uh, forty four, forty, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40 I go anything forty and higher, forty, and 10, higher. 45, exactly. 45. But then at that point, that you know, that handgun gets heavier, Ooh. you know. So, yeah. and then yeah. you're like, well, what do you, what are you really wanting to do? If if all you want to do is deter, then I kind of transition to I have transitioned to the bear spray. Uh, but then again, it just, where do you have it? If you have it like strapped in the back of your backpack, no, are you going to no. have time to kind of turn around, pull it out and then press the thing, <laughs> no. right? No. And, 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 no. Or, no. or if you have it, if, if somebody's hunting with you and that person can pull it. Yeah. So those are kind of the things that you have to, in my opinion, think through. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not allowed the bear spray, definitely is the best option. Um, and, but if you're allowed, then think through those motions, right? I've, I've, hunted, I've even hunted bears for, you know, years and never carried anything there. I've never even thought to, 
Um, yeah. I've just, I've never even owned a handgun, but, uh, yeah, again, depending on the type of predator, you know, I, I feel okay going without a bear spray or a handgun where we hunt in New Mexico or even right. Colorado, but going to Canada, yeah. hmm, different yeah. deal, right? No, I'm, I'm going to have bear spray <laughs> yeah. and I'm putting a yeah. bell on chat. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have, <laughs> definitely have some bear, have some bear spray, and hopefully, yeah, you know, we're hunting with will have it. I mean, um, yeah, I can't look, guys. I, I carry a handgun every day. I mean, yeah. I, I I did when I was a sheriff deputy, and I carry one now daily, every day. Yeah. I, see what I'm what I've transitioned to in Colorado, New Mexico, is a smaller caliber, like and. Nine millimeter, small compact nine millimeter is enough because all I have to do is shoot my nine on the leg and then run. Now, Chav, Chav, I've hunted with Chav for years, man, and and this guy sees a rolled rock or tore up log and he turns around and goes the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he been with, he was with me on that bear occasion, brother. He was think, not rolling the other way. He was standing and delivering. And uh, <laughs> he made me do what he was doing. He was not happy that bear was not happy with us. And uh, he got right after that bear. If you got a chaff with you, you got a chance. I promise. Have you ever thought about yeah. carrying a gun chaff for bear or anything? Oh, carrying a gun? No, never have. I just figure if I if I make a lot of noise, you know, that that'll be enough. Yeah. You know, you know when I'm in my blind, I have a foghorn. <clears throat> I figured that might help. <laughs> you know, I, I've heard a lot of stories about uh, mm-hmm. about the uh, the spray. Is that pretty effective, Travis? Down I've there? never had to, I've never had to use it myself, but I mean, I it's like there. That. <laughs> it's definitely there at the last resort kind of thing, and it's. I mean, it's it's either do or die. It's either going to work or or not. But and yeah. most most of the time, you know, if if a bear is going to bluff charge you or something like that, it's you got to think: do you want to shoot this thing and and be done with it, or are you going to try to just back away from the scenario? So there's there's only been a couple times where the bears have really been really aggressive, and if you're walking down a game trail, they they won't even let you like get off the trail and go around them or something. You have to pretty much back out a little bit. Back out. Yeah. And let them, you got to let them have their why, face. Why is that even, why is that even a tough decision, dude? I mean, <laughs> can I see a grizzly bear yeah. there? I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah, supposed that's, to be like trying to you know? That's a that's different a, mindset yeah, right there. Almost like, yeah. a deal breaker, man. I'm it's almost yeah. a deer breaker, deal breaker. I see a grizzly <laughs> up ahead. No, I'm, yeah, I'm out. I'm oh, yeah. backing out. Yeah. We're not backing around. We're not going uh, we'll, around. We'll, we'll be like Gilbert's, Gilbert's license plate. 180, 180 out. out. 180 exactly. out. Yeah. 180 yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Jeff, I and hope that a... helps you out, man, on that. Uh, yeah. Travis, why don't you take Tom Roth? Okay. Tom, our buddy Tom here. Absolutely. So he's from uh, Janesville, Wisconsin. I can't thank you guys enough for last fall's hunt with the Elk Bros Adventures. I listen to the podcast every time. Um, I have a what if for you. I think I know the answer to both, but I don't know if anybody's asked this question in the what if. So what if you had a bull screaming or chuckling back at your calls, but he isn't coming into your calls? That's a great question. It is. 100% if he's chuckling back at you, he's asking you to come to him. Uh-huh, so 100%. He's, he's got cows with him 90% of the yep. time. So Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. 
Yeah, if he's not moving, I mean, there could be two. Re- I mean, okay, terrain. Terrain is important. Well, and, and not only that, time of year as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that early season, some of those uh, young bulls and stuff will just stay up there on the side of the ridge and just yeah. chuckle back and forth. In fact, I've had more luck using a chuckle to yeah, put right. those guys in than doing mm-hmm. any kind of bugling mm-hmm. or even doing like bull mews, like like a cow mew that. Um, through the tube the, to bring them in as well. But, um, yeah, I think terrain is important too. It's because, okay, so, so he's responding and so he's giving away his position. Now, terrain will dictate whether or not you have the ability to close in. No doubt. No doubt. For sure. Whether it's open, whether terrain it's in direction. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like if you have the ability to close in, I mean, yeah. get as close as possible as as much as the terrain allows you to because that bull is responding to you, right? That's the hard part. If you don't have a lot of thickness um, and that bull's chuckling and you're trying to approach, now he has the advantage because Correct. probably in a higher position. He yes. can yeah. see a lot farther. He can catch the movement. <clears throat> so you've got to really think about what you're doing by uh, according to time of day, right? Yes. Is, is that a bedded bull? You know, is that yeah. a that does have cows? A time of year will kind of tell you that whether or not that's yeah. happening, and and or they might even give you one of those little bed bugles that they do. It's just a lazy bugle that, yeah. uh, and and they're always doing it from the same place. You know, if they're doing it from yeah. the same place, they're bedded. If it starts to move but they're not coming to you, they've got cows, cows. or. Or it could be even that time of year where they're just not that interested in doing stuff, and they might be a age class where they're not being territorial, right? Joe, would you would you also yeah. would you also uh, figure in what type of calls is he screaming at? Is he screaming back at you from a bugle, or is he screaming back at you from a cow call? Because if it's a cow call and he's screaming at you, you're doing the right thing. You just got to get on in there with him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is he is he screaming because he's got a hot cow in there, or is he screaming because he? What kind of screaming is he doing? When a bull bugles, he's talking, right? He's telling yeah. you something. Whether he's got a hot cow or he's screaming to you to come on over to him, especially when he's inviting you with a chuckle. Uh, or the, the big yeah. thing is understanding what he's screaming. Or if at. he's screaming to tell his ladies, "Yes, I'm yeah. the man." I'm the dominant bull, not right. the bull that you're hearing. Yeah, don't listen but that'll have that. some yeah. real aggression mm-hmm. in it. That'll have some real aggression and tone to it when he's doing that. And if that's the case, man, you know how to get get in his kitchen then. I mean, if you figure he doesn't have a hot cow, then you can go into that slow play scenario where you sound like you're a bull with a hot cow, and you might be able to pull mm-hmm. him off if he doesn't have any hot cows, right? So, yeah. Um, it, it's, and if he, yeah, that's a great question. And if he's screaming that ag- aggressively, like Gilbert's saying, he's not going to be chuckling. He's going to be just seeing fire in his eyes. Yeah. He's screaming, and he's trying to keep those cows at in his in his zone. Right, that's his whole goal. Is he's actually talking to those cows, keeping them round up, and he's just screaming. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and generally when a bull chuckles, it's generally to answer a lost cow call or a cow yeah. call, and he's inviting her to come on, baby, come on over here, you know, yeah. come on, come on, get you some of this, big daddy's over here, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's kind of how it is. I mean, like the old Joey on Friends, how you doing? You know, how you I mean? doing? <laughs> yeah. so, but but if yeah. he's not coming into me, Tom, 
Um, and the way, I mean, if there's going to be so many variables to that, like I said, like time of day, what the wind's doing, what his position is. But, um, the, what I want to do is first thing I want to do is I'm going to check the wind and I want to try to get on that critter's level. I want to make it as easy for that animal. And what I mean by level is same contour. That's right. right. Is that animal. I want to make it as easy for him to come to me as possible. And when I do this, you know, there, there's two rules of thought. And some people are like, well, you can sound smaller than that critter. Um, or you can just get aggressive with them, right? Um, and it's going to depend because the thing is, is I've actually gotten super aggressive at a bull that's doing that after I got on that contour where I wasn't really trying to, it wasn't me engaging with the bull so much. It was me trying to act like a dominant bull to get his cows interested in me to come over and to make him more possessive and piss him off enough that, Hey, you know, these, these ladies are looking in this direction, looking for more dominant bull and he has to either run or he's got to defend. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a hundred percent. Cause you got the two, two different things going on. Some guys will move in there and they'll want a cow call. Mm-hmm. But then you got the other guys, they'll move in there, they'll set up, they'll start raking and they'll just grab a, grab a call and they'll just grab their tube. You know, give them one of those. And, and, and explain why, Travis, with that. Well, basically, if you're moving in with that kind of thing and you start raking, now you're advertising as a bull that you may have cows as well, but now you're actually talking to his cows and you're trying to draw his cows over and that's going to make him see red instantly. So especially if one of his cows comes zipping over, he's coming, he's coming on a string. So. And I love the raking, man, especially yeah. early season. Early season. And, yeah. and yeah. when Travis is talking about the sounds that he's doing, when he's doing that little whines and moans and groans, yes. doing the raking, it's yeah. hard for that other bull to gauge how big you are. There's no Absolutely. way to identify what size you are, right? And yeah. people are like, well, does that really matter? Well, I want you to think about it. And if you've never hunted elk or been around them a lot, Every time I've ever seen bulls fighting, they're always of the same size. I, I never see yeah. this huge bull. I, I never With see like this little bull. four by four yeah. coming in and drag. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to happen. No, yeah, no. They, they they don't. If they see that man, they're backing off. They're at a disadvantage. Oh, yeah. They're you know, and they're not dumb. So yeah. I, I think when you do those other noises, they don't have a play on the size, and they're curious to find out what that size yeah. is. And also when you're raking, if you just go into just the raking without the moaning and the groaning, you're basically advertising to his cows, but you're advertising to the cows that you have because you're displaying for them saying, hey, look at me. I'm awesome. I'm raking the crap out of this tree. I'm going to get his cows over. They're going to join you guys. Now, instead of three, I got like six and he's the man after that point. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You just got to paint that picture of what's going on and let it unfold. And patience becomes a big virtue in that. And that's what I was well. going to say, man, is, is yeah. don't expect things to have to happen right now. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you gotta, you gotta yeah. just work it, you let it marinate, then you work it. Yes. Some more. You know, yeah. you 
play the time game because after a while that bull mm-hmm. just get up and come walking over. Um, or you can even shut up for a little while mm-hmm. and yeah. wait till you hear something for him to make another noise out of the bed and then start up again. Right. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and the other thing on that, that bull, since he's doing that screaming and the chuckling, you gotta think there's other bulls that are coming from other oh, directions yeah. where oh. you guys are. And they're going to be coming right over to where you're raking as well. So you might not get him, but but you're going to get those other dudes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, 100%. Another thing, another thing, Mr. Tom, if you hear, if you hear them glunking at all, then you know there's hot cows in the area, right? You don't have that glunk without a rut going on, you know? So those are another thing you want to listen for. If you hear that glunking going on, you or you in the right place, baby. Or oh, yeah. the bull that's tending. He's tending him. He, you know, he's yes. waiting. Yeah. He's yeah. That glunking it. Pretty and much, man, you can probably bugle yourself right into the middle of him or cow call right into the middle of him. If you got the right wind, you know, that's when you want yeah. to get aggressive, man. Get after it and get yourself in there and get you a shot, man. And you know what? Oh, um, yeah. Tom, Tom said that he probably already knows the end. Tom's heard all this already. Tom's been through <laughs> yeah. months yeah. of, uh, of stuff with us. Tom was one of our Elk Bros Adventure Camp hunters last year, one of the four positions. He was one of the two guys that ended up killing his first elk last year. And, uh, it, I tell you what, that was our very first Elk Bros Adventures camp. Our, we're getting ready for our second one and we couldn't have had a finer group of guys. They were just fantastic, man. And, uh, Great guys, man. You know, right. I was blessed to be able to hunt with Mr. Tom and absolutely uh, take, his, take his first bull and, and and made it fun. happen. It was very cool, man. And we've on got a rough that, day too, Joe. On a real rough raining, day. When yeah. most people would have been in camp, we were out yeah. hunting, right? And Absolutely. that's one of those lessons I think he learned. And he's, he's super excited about this year. And we're super excited because we're getting ready now to start selecting. We have four positions to fill. Um, we're starting to advertise that hunt this year and, uh, here in New Mexico on the 18th through the 22nd, you can go to our website. You can go to elkbros.com slash hunt and go check it out, man, because it's, it, it is not just a hunt that you're paying for. You're paying to have an Elk Bros coach. You're paying for all the coaching that was Travis was there. Chav, uh, uh, Luis Gilbert. Guy Duplante, all of us spent months working with these guys, preparing them in all aspects of elk hunting. So it, it's, it's something that is unique. It's revolutionary. Um, and it's been so rewarding for us. So Tom, uh, glad to see you're still listening, bud. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I was guys, glad you to know, see that. Go, go ahead, Travis. Oh, I was, I was just saying, I was glad to see that little note from Tom there because I know every time he phoned me, we, he wasn't scared to call back to you on the phone and stuff and get right after it. You know, he wanted to learn and he, he was good already. So <laughs> I've met a lot of gentlemen in my days, but Tom Roth's one of the finest men I ever met in my life. Yeah. And, uh, I, was ditto. Ble- I was blessed by being able to hunt with him. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Ditto. ditto on that. Guys, you know what time it is. It's time uh, for the Elk Bros uh, shout-outs. Uh, this is uh, a shout-out uh, to our listeners uh, uh, from a few uh, cities <laughs> topping our charts this week, Joe. Yes, sir. And Look, man, I, I just – it does my heart so <clears throat> good when I go to try to find these top cities in there and I go look <laughs> and I start looking at the na- – I saw so many unique city names <clears throat> that I – ever seen before from places I've never been before it 
I wish we could, <laughs> I wish we could just do top 50, man, cause there are some cool things that are happening out there. So you guys that are listening and our, our followers, uh, hat, tip of the hat to you. Thank you because this, yes. you are who we're, you know, this is all about. Um, we're so grateful to have you join with us around our, um, mm-hmm. our campfire, our elk camp here. And, uh, uh, I, I just had to say that before I give the top name out here. So this week's top listening city is part of the Wausau metropolitan area. Am I saying that right? Wausau? Uh, mm-hmm. And is bordered by Lake Wausau, the Wausau downtown airport, and mm-hmm. the, oh my gosh, the Euclid. Now you gotta be helping me with this stuff. <laughs> this sounds like <laughs> some of the stuff from up it there. Means, it means Clearwater River. Ah, the, the Euclid. Yeah. The Euclid River, um, known for its surrounding area and outdoor recreation, including water sports and hiking in the summer and skiing and snowmobiling in the winter. And this is Schofield, Wisconsin. Schofield, Wisconsin. Schofield. Awesome. Our brother Tom's from Wisconsin, too, man. Look how how they're showing up, Joe. Yep. Yep. Okay, this top listening city is known as the Sweet Corn Capital of Michigan. A number of farms provide corn to the area's major grocery stores. Because of its central location, it is also the center for the dairy industry in Michigan. And this is in Canton, Michigan. Canton, Michigan. Wow, Canton. Man, they lots of dairy farms up there. That's for sure. Dude, I love me some sweet corn. <clears throat> oh, man, me too. <laughs> me too. One of my favorite things to Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. It's a good thing I don't live there because if I did, man, I tell you, I'd be... <laughs> I'd be in trouble, man, because I love corn. I, breads, baked goods, Jeez, corn. Jeez. Oh, Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> Next up, this <laughs> town was founded in 1883 and is home to Assumption Abbey, a Bavarian Romanesque structure, which is a <laughs> Benedictine abbey. Uh, it was founded in 1893 and completed in 1905, a 200-pound meteorite named after the town, landed near the town site in 1918. Richardson, North Dakota. Richardson, North Dakota. Dakota. I've been all over North Dakota, Luis, like you. I've never been to Richardson. I've never heard of Richardson. I hadn't either. Uh, A 200-pound meteorite. That could be hauling uh, Superman, wouldn't it? It had to make a a (laughs) hell of a crater. Yeah, oh I yeah! You, I tell you what, whoever has that 200 pound meteorite, no, oh. that, that, that that's worth some some chain. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and and it's interesting <laughs> because I imagine you know we usually you hear 200 pound like I'm 200 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. You know when you hear that you think of a big thing, but those meteorites are, are con- really condensed. Yeah, yeah real condensed. Mm-hmm. And well. Heavy. And and that's what landed, but a lot of it get burns gets burned off oh, as they go through the atmosphere. It was probably four hundred pounds before it got to Earth. Mm-hmm. Maybe bigger. Sure, who knows? No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't. I hopefully it didn't, you know, land in somebody's house or something because that's devastating. Well, back in eighteen, you know, nineteen eighteen, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There probably wasn't a whole lot of souls up there. In North Dakota, then. Especially if you haven't heard about it, North Dakota's kind. North Dakota's kind of sparse, anyway, ain't it? Ooh, yeah. I'm telling you, Joe. The first time I drove through there, I thought the rapture'd come. I had to call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I drove up through there, and I bet I drove Joe for. Shh, 
Two and a half hours, never saw another car on the highway. I told Kelly, I said, get on the phone, call my mama. I think the rapture come. There ain't nobody here. No. I mean, there's no speed limits. There's no signs on the roadways. I'm sure it's changed a little since then, but not much. I mean, it's just not a, a, most of everything is in the towns, you know, not out on the interstates and everything. <laughs> Pretty wild, man. I thought I, I did. I told my wife, call my mom, see if the rat should come, because I know she's going <laughs> first. Wow. Yeah. Last up. Next up, this city is the birthplace of one of the coolest legendary lawmen out there. His name was Wyatt Earp, and one time home to Ronald Reagan. Historic lawyer Stephen Douglas oversaw a hearing here dealing with the possible extradition of a Mormon leader, Joseph Smith, to Missouri to face murder charges in Monmouth, Illinois. Monmouth, Illinois. Up in the very northwestern corner there of Illinois by Peoria and everything. It's a pretty cool-looking spot, man, Uh, there on the big river. Uh, I guess that's the little Missouri River that comes down through there, Joe. It's not far from Dubuque, Iowa. Iowa, okay. (laughs) I'm going to know. You're you're the man that's that's traveled and slept everywhere. I've been, everywhere. <laughs> I've been in a lot of places, but I've been to Monmouth. I've been a lot of places, Joe. All right, so let's get to the content, man. Um, becoming an elk hunter series. Let's simplify this, and we're going to go through and and guys, if you think that there's a category that we need to throw in here, because I basically broke it down into some things for people just to simplify their life. You know, as far as you know. What are some of the basic things that you have to have in order to come out? Broke it down to gear, weapon, where to hunt, camping, scouting, calls and calling, tactics, closing, and success. And and people are like, what do you mean by success basics? I mean, what do you do once you've hit one of those animals, right? Then the real work starts. Because that's the goal, man. If you are not preparing for success, then – you're no hunting without a plan, right, man? You're, yeah. you're just out there hiking and hoping, right? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Our brother, Madam Messner, could give you all a little bit on that. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, no, what have I done? But yeah, you know, right now. It was so funny because Adam was like, when I was talking to him, he said, well, I figured I had about a, what did he say, like about a 20% chance of possibly, you know, killing mm-hmm. an elk. So he he brings – Twenty percent of a cooler, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and twenty you know, percent of a plan to get that booger out of there, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and the yeah. thing is, is it don't matter if your <clears throat> your possibility is twenty, ten percent, or once you get it, it's a hundred percent need of getting it out of there. Yeah. Here we go. What if there was a way to flatten your elk hunting learning curve and have the experience of a lifetime, gaining decades of elk hunting knowledge and skill sets that'll take your DIY confidence and ability to a whole new level? Look no further. Welcome to Elk Bros Adventures in our coached adventure camp, an elk hunting experience like no other. Your prep and training starts months before you ever step foot on the mountain. 
Our campers have weekly online training sessions with each member of our Elk Grove Success Squad in all aspects of the hunt. Gear, physical condition, archery setup, failure points to avoid, shooting proficiency, finding elk, locating, behavior calling, setup, and closing the deal. From the moment you get to elk camp, the boots on the ground training begins. Each camper will have one of the Elkrose trained coaches with them throughout the hunt, not guiding, but teaching and helping you to learn and apply those lessons. For the price of what many today are paying for tags alone, you will be smashing that DIY learning curve, becoming a more knowledgeable, capable, effective, confident, and therefore successful DIY elk hunter. Y'all, hunt preparation like no other, a learning experience like no other, an elk hunting adventure like no other. For more information, go to elkbros.com forward slash hunt. That's elkbros.com forward slash hunt. Flattening that learning curve, now there is a way. Cheers to the elk bros, huh? Cheers. 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 Great elk hunt. So, yeah, but, look, but man, you got to know Adam's a freaking animal, man. He's an unbelievably gifted <clears throat> athlete who's swam at the very highest Division One level, um, you know, with at Stanford. I mean, the dude was an amazing swimmer uh, and was in very good shape. And he's like, man, I see all these guys, they're weenies, man. They go up there and they get altitude <laughs> sickness and this, that, and the other. Boy, it hit him in the face like a crappy bop. <laughs> yes, sir, it did. <laughs> oh, man. What were you going to say, Luis? No, man, I, you know, I think, I think the cool thing about what we're getting ready to talk here is – that, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there, myself included, you know, that we could very easily get into paralysis by analysis, you know, sure. and I think, I think what we're trying to message here is that, yes, I mean, once you get into it, there's a lot of things, right? And you're going to be learning more and more, but the yeah. problem is you're going to limit your growth and your uh, learning curve if you don't get out there and just, you know, get started. So yeah. don't, I mean, the fact that you're here listening, it, it, it's a huge step in the right direction because yes, you want to, you know, you want to learn from other people's mistakes and other people's successes. And we've yeah. made them. We've and made we've, them. We've, oh, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got a long yeah. list, right? Especially on the mistakes. Yes. So, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, you know, unless you actually make that decision you know, put the, put the, the tire to the road and, you know, make, make the, the tire hit, the rubber hit the, the road. You know, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna progress. So hopefully touching on the basics can inspire you to simply make the decision to do it. Yeah. So what, where I'd mm-hmm. like to start with this is someplace that, um, most people wouldn't think I'm going to go there, but I'm going to put him on the spot right away because my hunting partner hunted with me and we hunted about as basic as you could get. So I want you to think back, Chav, and let's not talk about the bow yet, but talk about the gear that you had to have with you, your basic setup and the things that you felt like was something that, or what you did use out there and what you got by with because... We killed a lot of elk for a lot of years in 
probably the most basic situation that you could be in. So can I interject before Chad gets there? I want them to know too, though, y'all hunting in an area that was, that's an unbelievable place to hunt elk, right? So you, the first thing when you're going to go hunt elk is there needs to be elk there. So, <laughs> cause you've gone a lot of places and no, go on, one. A, on a 12,000 square mile that, hike, nature hike. You know I, what I mean? I, the interesting thing about that though, Gil, is that I think you have a different view of that area because you started hunting with guys that hunted that area because when, Definitely. when Definitely. we hunted it, we started out in an area and it had an 8% success rate. Right. And most Ooh. people look at that and they're like, nope, <clears throat> not going there. Yeah. So do you feel mm-hmm. like that grew over time, Joe? No, I, I don't think the elk had changed at because all. Because conservation think, and everything? Yeah, I just mm-hmm. think that a lot of people and how they hunt and when they hunt and where they hunt, gotcha. I think was a big part of it. And, and, and it does look. Number one, it plays to your advantage to know the area and how the mm-hmm. animals move in mm-hmm. that area. For real, for real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely does, right? Yeah, I, I would have, and I'll be honest, I would have never been as successful as I have been if I weren't hunting with guys like that, right? So just starting out from from the ground zero basics, this is going to be, man, you guys are getting it from the best of the best. These guys were, you know, Joe's killed bulls 30 years in a row and up doing that stuff. So this is, I want, I want our listeners to know just what kind of nuggets are fixing to hit the ground here. If you, if y'all, uh, don't get up and go to the bathroom. Y'all wait, hold it right here because it's going to be really good. Well, you know what though? I'm just telling you this. And, and this is, uh, here's what I want our people around the campfire to understand. You could have stood us next to other guys that were hunting the area. The way we looked and the way they looked, it was kind of like how I used to fish in, in the San Juan River. I'd, I'd get me a spinning rod and pair of, you know, um, BDUs and walk into the river and start catching fish. And you got these other guys got neoprene and got the fly rods and they got the hat and they got all the things, everything like that, yeah. you know, yeah. and color coordinated. Yeah. So, and yeah. and the, the point being is look at somebody that's outfitted. Yeah. And you go, that's a fly fisherman or that's a fisherman. And, and the same thing happens. You could have stood me and chav by some of the guys that are hunting out there and people would have gone. And if you, if they needed to ask somebody about hunting elk in the area, they wouldn't have walked towards us. They've got mm-hmm. over to these fellows that looked <clears throat> the part, right? <throat> because y'all, we did not look the part, man. I mean, still uh, don't. I, I don't think I still look the part, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't. Well, just before I go to the basics, uh, just to reiterate what Joe was saying is, uh, you know, we met a lot of hunters uh, during our early years that didn't even see an elk, regardless of the weather. And we had people come in from uh, out of state camp for one night and said, there's no elk here, and they'd leave. So uh, this is that same area that we had a lot of success, but I think a lot of it was just educating ourselves to the area and the, uh, you know, how the elk behave in different situations. So, you know, yeah. Well, and not to mention you two guys were unbelievable athletes, right? So y'all were able to get to a lot of places most people can't go. And I'm just be real honest with you because that's some really rough country there. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know that – I mean, I think we went harder longer 
Um, I don't know that we went to any different places, but I think we were in those places at different times when other people were still comfortable in their sleeping bags. Sure. I think we were out yeah. of those places when people were comfortable <laughs> eating dinner at camp. And, uh, I, I think, I think my ability to create my own encounters with elk talk yeah. was the game changer. Agreed. I mean, I could mm-hmm. do things mm-hmm. that with, uh, with a diaphragm call that, change the game man so uh and and chav's right i mean there were <laughs> there's a reason why they had an eight percent success rate you know in that area and you know so um that's why we've never worried about success rates we've yeah. just if there's elk there we'll go hunt mm-hmm. but we'll go ahead me. chav okay <clears throat> well one of the things led to that success rate of course you know some of the equipment we had, and, and it was real basic equipment. You know, we we go to Walmart. If there's a sale, you know, we buy pants, a shirt, um, even boots, which as you get older become more important, boots and socks. Uh, you know, we hunt in tennis shoes a lot of the times because uh-huh. we put in a, a lot of miles. You know, uh, we did get up uh, very early. So a flashlight or a good uh, hit, uh, good lamp was real important back in those those and early I, and days. I ne- and back in those days, I never had a headlamp. It was just simply a I tried a to find flashlight. A yeah, flashlight. Right. I could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, you know, I mean, I don't know how much money we spent, but it wasn't very much, you know. And and it kind of cracked me up. Like Joe said before, we'd run into these guys that were color coordinated, you know, out of a Cabela's magazine. Yeah. And they kind of look at us like, okay, <laughs> but we were already he- we were already heading back to get the truck to, uh, <clears throat> to skin out a, an elk and and you know and, and head home and and they hadn't seen anything, hadn't heard anything, so uh, a lot of it is, is persistence. Uh, but uh, we even made our own camouflage. Uh, in uh, we hunted uh, for deer at a place called Sugar Eat Canyon outside of Raton. It's a bow only uh, deer hunt at that time. I think it's changed a little bit. But we made our own snow camo and, uh, you know, bought some white, um, what was it, uh, long johns and, and then got a magic marker and, and we made our own as pattern. Redneck as you could yeah. get. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's about as redneck as you could get. Yeah. Uh huh. And, uh, we even tried, uh, different things with scent. You know, we, uh, we've always told that story about, uh, using skunk scent there for a while right and uh i don't know how effective it was you know we did see <laughs> animals and i think joe got a kill that that time but we didn't even realize it till we went down to town and and walked into mcdonald's and everybody just kind of separated because <laughs> <laughs> they could smell it but we tried that and uh i don't know you know it's it just about as basic as you can get but but you know, it, that's, that still happens when Joe farts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think our main, county. Yeah, I think our main our main expense back then was uh, our bows. Yeah, you know yeah. that was the main expense. Everything else was really. I, I, I think we had a a day pack. Um, yeah, we had something at that time. We were using Boda bags because that was before the water systems that that we have oh, yeah. now. But we were using Boda bags because I didn't want anything. I, I was always a noise freak and, you know, to be able to stalk in. We didn't want anything that glunked, you know, glunk, 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 you know how water would do that. So we used Boda bags. So we had uh, a day pack. We had something to keep water in. 
we lived with, off of bologna and and cheese and peanut butter and jelly. Um, yeah. We had a we had a compass in our pocket. Um, at that time, there was nothing else. That's uh, you know, we had a map of the area. Um, but uh, and you know, like Chad said, I used um shoes. We had a poncho. We've been using ponchos mm-hmm. as rain gear ponchos. forever, and we would use ponchos that were inexpensive, the ones that you had to leave outside for a week just to get that yeah. plastic smell out of them. <laughs> yeah, the plastic right? smell. You know? yeah. don't, don't do like Manano. He just takes that plastic cover they put on um, um, the laundry places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> shower. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I made sure we had, you know, I always had two knives with me. Yeah. Um, I had a flashlight with me. I had something to be able to start f- fire with, you know, um, as far as that. It's, it's about as basic as you can get. And we used, um, at first we used to use face paint, but mm-hmm. man, it just yeah. took me a week to get it out of my pores and stuff. So we started using like spandiflage head nets mm-hmm. and stuff like that instead. Um, and would even do things on our arms, you know, like spandiflage on our arms or wear a long sleeve. But our camo yeah. was cotton stuff. It was inexpensive. Um, and we killed a lot of elk. So, um, for people that, for you guys that are wanting basics, you probably, especially if it's going to be your first elk hunt, you probably have all of the mm. basics already. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Joe, did y'all use a wind snuffer bottle or did y'all use a feather or so y'all can understand wind direction? Yeah. You know, we've, we've always used windicator of some kind, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first started out, I mean, I have this nose for a reason, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I can smell elk and I would actually hunt elk by sniffing them out and following sure. their scent. Mm-hmm. That was my first technique. Um, but yeah, we had a windicator with us. Um, I was using turkey call diaphragms to, to call elk at the time. And really, as the years went, the only thing that really happened with that was the, the day pack upgraded to, yeah, a, you know, bigger. something that was a little bit better day uh-huh. pack. The water system went to a hydration. The compass, everybody now, I still carry a small compass, always yeah. carry a small compass yeah. with me. But, and it's, you know, Chav used to keep one pinned on him all the time so he could look at it and tell which direction is one of them ball compasses, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and he could always look yeah. at it. So, uh, but the only thing is now is now everybody has a cell phone. So you have a camera, you have a compass, you have your GPS, you have uh, even a light if you need it with that. So that has really changed everything, you know, as far as that goes. So, um, and Chav was the first one to start wearing boots, you know, um, his feet, he's got small feet and he'd get comfortable in some of those things that just were not comfortable to me. And so I wore tennis shoes. Um, and there was a point, I mean, I would go with wet feet a lot, but there was a point where, you know, we could get those waterproof socks and wear them inside there. It's just, I've never had, you know, ankle issues in the mountains and it was just lighter and easier to move now. And then as I got older and we could afford it and we start getting mud and snow, now I, you know, I got me a pair of boots for bad conditions like that. But if I, I actually prefer tennis shoes, man, um, when I'm hunting there, but 
um, oh, um, you know, Tab always wore caps. We always wore a cap to keep sun out of our, and yeah. you know, you, you can get a camp for five ninety five. You know, as long as you got. For me, it was important just to have a camo pattern all the way around on it. You know, mm-hmm. like that, uh, a stocking cap of some kind in days. And, um, we, we started wearing long handles or long johns, you know, in the cold months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't wear them during elk hunting season. They were just too friggin' hot, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> we would just, if we could, we would start using polyprope, right? Yep. Just a thin layer. And, uh, and just layer our clothes. So we have our polyprope. We would have, um, a t-shirt. We would have, um, I had a fleece top that I could put on or a light jacket, you know, and mostly if I had that light jacket that would go over my fleece, that would create the layers and all I needed for most conditions out there. Yep. So. Yeah. I guarantee you most people have that. Now, Trav, uh, let's hear from you on your basics, man. Basics were like you just, I had, you know, I was not too rich growing up, that's for sure. So I had to go with what I had. Basics. I had a pair of boots. I remember, I don't remember even what kind they were. They were a leather boot that, you know, they tied all up good. Um, and they were really comfortable. I wore them for about six, seven years. But as far as pants and stuff, um, literally it was just, you know, Walmart stuff, just cheap, cheap cotton stuff, like you were saying. I did have a pair of polar fleece pants for a little while. And then I had, I would normally just wear a t-shirt and then a polar fleece pullover or something like that. Cause it's really warm. And then later on I got uh, an actual camel t-shirt. Cause when it gets hot in the day, it's the same. It, you know, it can be plus 30 here. You, that polar fleece comes off and you're just yep. way too hot. So <laughs> you had to have. Something. And that's what the day pack was for, right? Mm-hmm. Just to keep yeah. feeling right. Yeah, and I didn't have any mm-hmm. fancy packs like we do nowadays with the pack frame in it that fold the sh- folding shelf down for packing meat. It was just like a backpack you'd take to school. But I was lucky enough, it was a polar fleece one, and it was actually camo as well and just had a big zipper over it and one big pocket and one pocket for like a water bottle. Uh, so I, I was polar fleece it. too, bud. My favorite one was yeah. polar fleece, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I got together with my wife, I took her out, and she wore the – the backpack that I wore for years and we left, she left the zipper open after we were having a sandwich one day and she was walking down the trail and she was behind me cause I was going along and stuff was falling out left, right and center. <laughs> I mean like <laughs> my binoculars <laughs> fell out, you, your flagging tape fell out, like oh. everything fell out. We got to our next spot and I said, Hey, I'll grab a, grab that water from you. And, we look at the backpack and it's totally empty, right? <laughs> we had to backtrack, go get all our gear. Luckily it all fell on the trail where, where we were walking. Right. But just simple stuff like that. It didn't even have a waist belt or nothing. It just went over the shoulders and just a cheap little pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hat was actually like one of those hats that, uh, the boys like Dwight Shoe would wear. We had the, the thing all the way around and it had the elastic on the top so you could. Right. You know, you beanie, could shove, yeah. yeah, you could shove in some grass and mm-hmm. whatnot in it. And uh I didn't even have wind checker. I actually stole a play out of Mr. Wayne Carlton's playbook. I tied a piece of yarn about yeah. like that mm-hmm. to my stabilizer and it just flowed in the wind, you know. Mm-hmm. And honestly that's where I learned to call was was uh 
probably using Carlton calls as well, uh, believe it or not. And they're the best things out there. And uh, so basically we just went with the basics. Uh, my bow, what kind of grunt tube bow? did you have back in the day? Um, my tube back then would have been just a vacuum cleaner hose, just a, you know, a flexible. Right. And it actually had, it, it did have a little piece of camel over it and stuff and a, a string for a lanyard to throw over your, over your shoulder and stuff. Um, and face paint. I've, I I've been using face. that Carlton mega tube ever yep. since it, you know, it came out and it's a, it was flexible. I put our own camo yeah. on it. We do all kinds of stuff there. And in fact, oh, I, yeah. you know, Gilbert has one that I gave him, you know, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Many moons ago, it's sitting right here next to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I still have, um, yeah, I got my old tube there probably. <laughs> the vacuum cleaner one. It's on my shelf over there. But I mean, just basic stuff. Even my bow, my bow is just a cheap run of the mill PSC. I think it was a PSC Nova or something when I started out. It was just <laughs> black and gray camel. That's <laughs> you know? exactly what we started with. Uh, yeah, PSC right. Nova. It was a hundred dollars yeah. off the rack at the, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Bear white tail too. Bear white tail too. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. You know, and we went so basic. I did the face paint thing for a while, and then uh, I had to go in a store after I got back to town one day when I was hunting, <laughs> and I still had my face all painted up, and I felt like such a tool. Like I was like, I gotta go in the store looking like this, right? So I did it, and then I, I felt dumb afterwards. So I stopped doing my face after that, and just started wearing that little mesh thing over <laughs> over yeah. my face, and then uh, yeah, from there, yeah, there you go, yep. That's the that's the Carlton Mega Tube right there. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. It's, and it's I tell really, you what. It's really the basis too for the soloist in a lot of ways because it had basically everything that I wanted and liked in a grunt tube, other than the 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 back pressure that you couldn't get in it. So yeah, you know, yeah. we kind of created one now that's uh that's different with the back pressure with a different type yeah. of mouthpiece, right? So we tried to actually and, hybrid the new ones to the old one, yeah. Yeah, and realistically, for all the realistic calling we do out in the bush nowadays, like for me, myself, I do a lot of chuckling and moaning and groaning, like you guys know, like the real authentic stuff, you sounding stuff. It's very rare do I throw out a, a high high note, you know, location bugle or anything like that. So it's just, as long as you can growl and moan and groan in it, that's all you really need. It, you know, it's flexible, put it behind you, call behind you. Break yep. some trees, call behind you. You know, just the best thing ever. Um, so, a quick, quick comment, you know, to add there, you know, it sounds like you guys are talking about the basics, you know, probably 50, 60 years ago. Right. And, <laughs> and that's great. But, uh, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but you honestly, what one. I'm, you know, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, uh, yeah, and you're all cheering, remember, you know, the, you know, bring it back. The good old days. The heydays. Yeah. No, but one of the things that I do want to add, to the basics nowadays, and I think it's super important. And 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 everybody has them. You have to have your your phones, um, your apps for navigating. 
and <laughs> and a means of communication, right? I, I think if I you add that, that one of the basics too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think nowadays it's just so easy, and it and it it just exponentially <clears throat> improves your hunting experience, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah well, your fear is well, gone. Your, your fear is gone, and then, and, and you add, hunt fearlessly. It changes the game. Yes, yeah. yes. To add to that, to add to that, you need to make dang sure you got a backup battery with you too, because mm-hmm. everything can go crap out the window if you run out of juice, so, baby. So the, it yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah. Like whether whether or not it was 120 years ago, like no, he right. says I am. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, it's the same item. You know, the compass has become mm-hmm. the phone with a GPS app on it, but I still yeah. carry a company, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, the backup well, batteries right. that we used to carry for our, you know, for double A's. the old GPSs, yeah. right? Um, the backup batteries we are now batteries for our phone that yeah. to make sure that we can do that and have those right connections. The pack is still – now they just make them better, you know. Ergonomic. Yeah. yeah. Ergonomic, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're – yeah. But but still, it's a basic day pack, you know, because you can get away with that if you mm-hmm. if you want to do a meat hauler, um, yeah. if you want to spend the money to have and you have that. But we're talking basics, man. You have yeah. your day pack, you're good to go. Because well, yeah, I can Jeff tell you, I've meat on my shoulder. I've hauled it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chad picked up my day pack last year, and he goes, "Oh my God, what is in here, dude? You carry that around in the mountains?" And I'm like, "I don't even notice it, you know." But we yeah. call it a month pack. That's Gilbert's month pack. It's yeah, not a day pack, yeah. and it fits inside my pack. <laughs> yeah. Goes right in. Yeah. But, but, you know, Big O ain't going hungry on the mountain. You still have a diaphragm call. You still have a grunt tube. You still have a yeah. date back. You know, binos depends on you, whether you yeah. want to use them or not, um, the type yeah. of terrain you're going to be in and the type of country, you know. If I'm coaching or I'm guiding, yeah. going to have binoculars with me. Yeah. Right? If, yeah. If you're having If I'm hunting, probably not. Yeah. Right. yeah I'm, so I'm, I'm the same. Range finders. Yeah, my rangefinder six power. I mean, it works really good. So yeah, um, and that's another thing. Rangefinder. I mean, y'all probably didn't carry rangefinder back mm-hmm. in the day, huh, Joe? Um, you know, we as we went, yeah, we tried with one of those things, <laughs> but yeah. you know, really, it was unless you were going to be in a tree stand, it was like right. worthless because it took so yeah. long. Yeah. You know, so um, no, we. We pretty much just practice distances, you know, and and I think that's a critical thing that's yeah, missing for a lot of guys, not learning and practicing distances and getting in a situation. Yeah. It's a basic know. skill you should yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, if you're you bow hunting, know. make sure you bring arrows too. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll get to the weapon basics here, and, and that's going to be the hardest one, though, for Luis because Luis oh, goes, yeah. ah! He's pretty advanced. And However, he's seen what the basics do. So, yeah. Well, yeah. thirty-four elk. Yeah. You know, with base double yeah. X seventy-fives with wasp tips on them, man. Yeah. Um, twenty-two sixteens, and because you know, Luis is right when you're talking about, and I think there's a lot of people out there that needs to plan for Plan B, but. That's not, that wasn't my option, man. I was going to get close and I was going to put it in that spot and I was going to put them down. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, you you can do that with a fifty pound bow. You know, just shooting dart like arrows, shooting right in the right in the spot where you're supposed to shoot. Yeah, man, that that arrow blows right through. Oh, so, yeah. You know. hey, Gilbert, do you have anything else to add on the the gear basics? You know, no, I think we've covered that. You know, you can pretty much anything that when you go uh, gear wise, when you bow hunt whitetail or anything else, you probably could show up with the same gear and be fine as far as your essential basic gear, right? Clothing, boots, this, that, and the other. It's it's when you get into different scenarios and where you're going to be hunting, you know, I want to talk about that too. You know, you got to figure out where you're going to hunt. And when you're going to, when you figure out where you're going to hunt, then you kind of got to dive in. What's our weather going to look like? What time of year are you going? Right. I mean, are we going to be hunting elevation? Are we going to be hunting at not elevation? So those are a lot of things that you guys need to kind of get that figured out before you even really dive into your gear list. But because it's going to affect your gear list, you know, I mean, if you're hunting in Oregon, it's going to rain you know, five out of the seven days. On a rain sideways, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You better have you some gear that can deal with the amenities that, you know, that you're going to be in, you know, extreme weather conditions. (laughs) Look, Joe and I woke up one morning on, like, September the 6th, and it had snowed dagnum six inches, you know, and uh, we had no clue that was coming, you know. (laughs) And, And, boy, I mean, I it, I didn't bring a whole bunch of cold weather gear at the time. Thank God Joe had uh, a little uh, pullover that he gave me, and that was enough to get me through. But, man, I'm telling you, brother, that, that put a kink in our get-along because we had no clue that we heard that weather was coming, right? So, okay, but, man, all that snow and everything, so it changes your gear a little bit. And, and you got to remember, when I'm talking about the gear we were using, we're talking about in September. Yeah, right. we get – you know, we get mornings that mm-hmm. you, know, you hope get down years. to the lower 30s or hope yeah. they get in the high 20s. Yeah. But the daytime, man, you know, you, you can get to and, 70 and you're moving like I couldn't wear thick leather boots or anything with any insulation because my feet would sweat to death and that stuff. And I don't. Yeah. yeah. And right. I don't. I wear really thin <clears throat> hikers uh, that got really good Gore-Tex insulation or Gore-Tex membrane to keep my right. feet dry, you know, yeah. but they're light, they're light. And, you know, and I, I don't bring just one pair. I bring three pair of boots. Why? Because I know where I'm going to be. And, uh, I don't like wearing wet boots and I'm, I, I yeah. sweat a lot, man. It actually and, to change things on your feet sometimes help you from getting hot spots and stuff like that as yeah. well sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, but this wouldn't be gear that you would be like we were talking about that I would be using in December. I have to change up a little bit, and oh, it wouldn't yeah. be gear I'd be using no. in Alaska, right? So, right. Um, the time of the year and place that you're going are going to affect your basic gear, right? So when you figure that out, then you can dive yeah. into what basic gear we're talking to you about. If you're going to be in the Rocky Mountains in the lower 48, we well, probably run with everything Joe and I've talked about, right? Yeah. And Chav and, and Travis. And I but guarantee like, yeah. I wasn't spending four grand to make it happen. So no, 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 man. I I truly believe you can fool elk's eyes. You can never fool their nose, right? Yeah. I mean, I have had them walk dang near over me in in plain sight, and I have they've walked right up to me in plain sight, mm-hmm. like I'm just no uh, another innate object standing out there, and they didn't know it was a human. But let them smell you from. 
you know, 700 yards, they're gone. You're never going to see them again, right? Uh, so it, it it's a big deal to understand that you guys don't – you don't have to have $2,000 worth of camo, man. I mm-hmm. mean, you can go with some really basic woodland camo, like you said, from wherever your favorite little store is that sells yeah. cotton camo, man. You ain't got to break the bank. Just to uh, break so, the silhouette. Yeah, yeah that's it's, it. thing, well, it's all about the pattern, too. I, right. I'll tell you this. When you go to get camo and you look at it on the shelf, you know, get get snake-eyed and look at it. And what I mean by that is you squint your eyes so that you kind of darken what you're seeing. And what that does is it creates, it darkens the contrast. And so when you look at it, if it turns into a black blob and there's no contrast mm. in that pattern, that's not one that I want to wear. I'm going to wear yeah. something where I can see it breaks up when I squint my eyes at it, right? Because it's going to darken the dark areas more. And uh, and that's just how I do that. So, you know. You think about elk. Elk are real buff looking, that that kind of beige coloring and brown. They ain't got a whole bunch of uh, daggum, you know, marbling that goes through there and different trees. And well, they blend still, in so well, you can't even see them half the time. You if know? you're still and you got shadows on you, yeah. it, it creates yeah. ammo on you, right? Yeah. So that's right. Um, that's, I, I, that's I think a, that's huge, too, is being in the shadows yeah. and trees, right? So Definitely. Yeah. That's what the elk and the moose do. Like, their their hair absorbs all the light. So that's why they can go behind one little branch like this. Where is he? I don't even see him, man. Especially a moose. You you get an eight or nine hundred pound moose. Where is he? He's gone. One one silly little spruce tree, and he's totally gone. Right? Yeah. They can be twenty yards in front of you. So that's that's one thing is don't when you're looking at the camel like Joe's saying too, pick something that's really the the drab easy colors. Nothing that really shines or has that little sheen to it. Did you hear that, y'all? I've got to take a second from the show to tell you about the Enchantress call from Slayer Calls. This call, it gets you the most realistic bugles and cow calls I have ever heard from an external. Look, the folks at Slayer Calls designed this external call to act just like a human tongue. So literally, with the push of a button, anyone can use this bad boy to bring those puppies running. Look, if you struggle with diaphragm calls, or you have a partner that's just not able to call, y'all, this right here is your ticket to sucking those bulls right on in. If you want to try the Enchantress, which they're calling the Elk Slayer now, to put me in your freezer, then just use our code. It's one word, ElkBroSlay. Again, that's the code, ElkBroSlay, on SlayerCalls.com. Just go with that. That's why that Fuller Fleece is so nice. It is. You know, it just soaks in. Quiet, too. Super quiet when you got to draw your bow back and stuff like that. So let's, let's begin to talk about... Well, basics or finish up. We'll see. I mean, we got about 15 minutes here. Sure. Um, till we get out. So let's talk about weapon basics, right? I mean, again, you talked about somebody with a white tail setup, right? Can somebody with a white tail setup come and kill elk with it? Now, uh, there are some things with that that, you know, I, I think you just need, um, a solid arrow with a good sharp broadhead that is not mechanical. 
Um, and, and you're accurate, <clears throat> you know, I mean, and if you're shooting in your effective range and you're not trying to go outside that and your goal is not just to put a bullet or an arrow in an animal, your goal is to shoot to, uh, put that animal down fast. Yeah. I think you can take, um, those, those, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a whitetail hunter. I went from mule deer to elk, but I was using the same thing I was using on mule deer. Right. Sure. Same. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I mean, uh, the gear, the basics that, that I would say is essential is you need a good cut on contact broadhead and, uh, one that, and it doesn't matter which one. Yeah. You know, they you know, Muzzy's been around for buku years. Uh, you know, the Magnus line of a buzz cut or the stinger. I mean, they've been around for years, man. You can't yeah. go wrong with a really good carbon shaft. Uh, or even, I mean, look, I shot, uh, I shot those, uh, full Flex metal jackets forever. Yeah. Yeah. I shot full yeah. metal jackets for years, man. Killed mm. a lot of elk with full metal jackets, man. Mm-hmm. And a good cut on contact broadhead. Uh, I, you know, for years I hunted with a muzzy trocar and, uh, uh, you know, then I got hooked up with Terry Hartcraft and these guys building broadheads here in Texas. And they built a really good, stable head. And I mean, this bull that's right here behind me, it's, you know, it's a muzzy, a muzzy and a trocar bull. Uh, I mean, that's what I shot them with, you know, because they work. <laughs> they work, you know. Yeah. That's a full metal jacket right there. Just there you go. Chisel yeah. point broadhead. Yeah, yeah look at that. Looks just like, like an old old muzzy type or a wasp yeah. type broadhead, man. Yeah. It's got yeah. a big trocar tip on it. I mean, yeah. chisel yeah. point. Exactly. Chisel tip. We call that a punch cut, right? We call that a punch cut. But that is, man, that is as basic as it gets. And, yeah. you know, you put them in the right place, man. It's case sirrah, sirrah. It's when they yeah. don't go in the right place. Luis talks about, you know, a lot more advanced gear tactics. Yeah. When it doesn't get in the right place. And, uh, you know, I, I have succumbed to that, uh, custom type arrow and look, I'm still blowing through animals. I'm, but the animals that I'm killing, these big hogs down here and stuff like that, we're blowing through those critters. So if we get the opportunity and we make a little bit, we get a little bit too forward to that, that crease and getting that bone or that shoulder blade, we got a shot at getting through it, you know, what I, shooting a little bit more FOC. I think to keep that basic, what I would say from what I've learned and where I've come from is that you can sacrifice some speed Definitely. for mm-hmm. some ham, for some hammer, for some impact. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't think you, I don't think you need to be shooting at 300 feet per second. Um, no, I would just tell you this. I'll give you a basic thing. If you're shooting in that 270 feet per second range in there, or 240. it's plenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? And so if two, you can, I, if I you shoot 245. Shoot What's that, buddy? I shoot 245. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah look, yeah. I mean, my son shoots probably in the same, mm-hmm. in that same 245, 250. He blows through, and he ain't shooting but about 52 to 56 pounds. He blows yeah. through animals. And the, and the reason they're shooting that speed is not because the bow and at its, um, 
oh gosh, when you go look at charts that the ammo it tells you or the arrow it tells you to shoot, it's not because yeah. it's shooting that specific. It's because they're shooting a heavier arrow that's going to now travel a little slower, but it's going to give you a whole lot better impact. It's going to have, yeah. Yeah. It's going to have more energy. It's going to have more behind it. It's really going to punch an animal. So, um, you can sacrifice speed for power. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's just a basic thing to tell people. I mean, you think about, you know, the Indians back in the day, they were shooting through Buffalo with Flint mm-hmm. Rock on the daggum end of their big <clears throat> cedar shafts, right? I mean, seriously, they were killing buffaloes every day. A buffalo's gigantic, you know? I mean, Jesus, what are they, close to 2,000 pounds? Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, they're humongous like, animals. If you, want to be fair, if you want to be fair about yeah. that, they were putting a lot of arrows into them, and they were putting into them close. So, yeah. Well, for sure, riding up on yeah. horseback, stuff like that. But still, you got to get it into the lungs to get it, you know, to get them killed, wow. uh, and or in the heart or something like that. So again, yeah. man, it it really takes the basic of our the basic gear that's out there today. If you go buy you an, a very inex, I say inexpensive, you don't got to spend two thousand dollars on a bow. Man, no. you you know you can buy a, a diamond or something like that to get started. It's they call RKK ready to, or RTK ready to kill, and get, base, start with the basic setup. You can probably get yeah. into one for less than seven hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, go, go, go look for the bow mm-hmm. that somebody um, upgraded from five years ago. You know, yeah. and I still shoot a seven eight year old bow. Yeah. You know. I, mean, I only shoot a yeah. brand new bow. I shot the I same bow for fifteen, eighteen years. So, yeah. Yeah. and I think, I think uh, most <laughs> importantly, though, um, whatever gear you decide to go with and start with, right? Um, you know, most importantly, get familiar with it. Absolutely, understand yeah. it. Time. You know, um, before shoot before going out to hunt, yeah, we're saying get out there and hunt. But you know, the one thing. I would recommend it really take the time to do is, is get familiar with your equipment, get familiar Absolutely. with your gear. Yeah. And, and if uh, you've yeah. never shot a bow, take some lessons, go to your local archery shop, get you yep. some lessons to teach you the right form, you know, ride anchors and stuff like that. Cause this is the most crucial part of your hunt is shot placement, man. And you, you're yep. going to, you, you're going to call this bull elk in or have an opportunity to shoot him, and if you don't shoot him in the right place, believe me, you will search for days without finding him because yeah. they, they are some of the toughest animals in the world, even with a really lethal shot to bring down. So when you when you bark upon this precipice of going bow hunting for elk, understand, man, now you owe it to that animal that you're going to be putting this arrow into to take him as humanely as possible. And, man, understand the anatomy of that animal very yep. well. Understand angles. You know, uh, we every week, Travis and his boys are sending us something on angles and this, that, and the other. I mean, we 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 uh, train our minds and our eyes and everything else on where we want to shoot a bull. And look, it's by experience that we learn this. You ask Joe, I shot two bulls before I ever killed one, and I never put my hands on him. You know, they found one six weeks later, and one's still walking in, in the woods in, in New Mexico. that has got a broadhead that's got my name on it in him. <laughs> you know, I guarantee you he lived because I shot him high in the hump, you know. And uh at the end of the day, these critters are so 
they are so tough, man. Uh, I mean, I've seen them tote five rounds from a fifty caliber muzzle loader and get up and and keep moving, you know. And They're since so you tough. mentioned caliber, bro, I I want to throw a little bit of rifle stuff out there. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's uh, Travis has shown yep. an example of some of the things that yeah. that we've been talking about and the reasons right. why, and it's good good thought processing processing there, but you know. Uh, as a guide, I see people come out with everything from 308s to 300 wind mags, <clears> uh, you know, uh, Creedmoor 6.5, 273s, 270, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, 270s. You know, mm-hmm. I, I see all the different weapons that people come out there. And, and I tell you what, again, with a lot of that, it's about effective range and it's yes. about shot placement, you know, with a lot of that. I mean, my well, daughter okay. has killed every elk that she's ever killed and I've killed the only elk I've ever shot with a rifle was a 270. Right? Yeah, it's, do- and, it's, it's mm-hmm. doable, but you got to have them in the right range, Joe. Got to put in the right go, range. And yeah. then you can't go poking them out there at 650, 700 because no, it don't not take the payload. Right. No. You know? it, it's the same thing with rifle as it is with archery. you got to know your it effective is. range, and you got to be is. able to stay within yourself. And if you do that, you can be celebrating. But what I want to tell you about that as far as – the right caliber. The right caliber. Now, any of those, 270, 6.5, you know, uh, 30-06, you know, Beautiful all of caliber. those calibers will kill an elk. And what For I sure. tell people is, is again, like Luis said, you've got to be behind the weapon. You got to be comfortable with it and don't overgun yourself. I've actually seen people that, you know, I've got to shoot a 300 wind mag and they're flinching and jerking the trigger every time they're going to go take a shot and, you know, which is a bad situation. So don't overgun yourself. Shoot where you're comfortable, where, and, and I'll tell you something else. Shoot something that you can, um, shoot offhand at a hundred yards and drop something and practice that. Because I, uh, you know, I will just tell you, I think a lot of animals are lost because people are so concerned mm-hmm. about scopes and dialing and, and an animal and knowing it exact and having to have it on something. And, and I tell you what, if a bow hunter can shoot an elk at 80 yards offhand, I guarantee you, you can kill an elk at a hundred yards offhand with a rifle if you practice that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's the same, it, bows and rifles are, you know, in parallel here. When you talk about a guy that you gotta know what your gear can do, right? So if you're, you're a guy and you're shooting 55 pounds and we ain't got about, about a 28 inch draw, right? I'm not, you're not gonna be poking elk past your effective killing range of 45 or 50 yards. You right. just shouldn't. You're not carrying the payload that you need to if we do hit even the, you know, rib cages and it'll deflect it. There'll be a lot of different things that go on because you're not carrying enough payload, right? It's the same yeah. thing with a, with a, with, let's say that, okay, the big craze is a 6.5 Creedmoor, okay? Great round, really fast, flat shooting, really good for deer and whitetail, thin skinned animals. When you step up to a real heavy boned animal like an elk, and I'm not saying it can't kill one, it can, but we're not wanting to push that bullet past Three, four hundred yards. It just doesn't have the payload that it needs right. for the knockdown power, right? Sure. So if you, if you're asking what, what is something to be looking for? For me, 60, 65 pounds in a 28 to 30 inch draw. I mean, you might be 27. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but if you can get it to 60, 
Anything towards 70 pounds is good, but you don't have to have 70, 80 pounds to kill an elk. Anything from 60, 65 ish, man, I mean, that is a hammer. You get out to 30, 31 inch, I'm a 30. Especially with today's modern bows, yes. Yeah, man, I Mm -hmm. mean, it will blow through two elk, man. I mean, seriously. The same thing with your, with your rifle setup. You don't have to get overgunned and shoot a 300 wind mag or something. You can shoot. If you're going to shoot within 350 to 400 yards, you can kill an elk every day with a 270 or a 30-06. Yep. With a well, with a very good bullet like a Barnes or an Acubond or something that's going to stay together when it has impact, you shoot them in the crease or right in the shoulder and we'll break them down, you're going to kill a lot of elk. But when you push that that caliber, 30-06 or 270, past that 400-yard range, you're looking for trouble, right? Then you're going to have to go to a Magnum-style caliber that's going to be out to that five, six, seven hundred yards, right? So depending on what you're going to be doing, that really is going to be, you know, if you guys are making long shots and, you know, you're out in sparse cover and stuff like that, bow hunting, well, you need to practice that and you need yeah. to carry the payload that can deliver what you're, you know, through double lung of an elk, you know, cause I'm going to tell you right now, you, Joe and Travis, y'all know one elk ain't getting one lung ain't getting it done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're going to live for a long time. You know, yeah. with one lung, you know, you need two of them or that heart incorporated or a really big artery for you to get it done. And, and I'll tell you something I missed too on, on the basics on your bow is you gotta have your stabilizer. And I just used for years, I just used a small six inch stabilizer, just something to take the shock out of the bow. I don't need something that's sticking way out there or going off to the right or the left. Again, like Louise said, and it always goes back to that, shoot your weapon so you know your weapon and you're comfortable yeah. with your mm-hmm. weapon. Right? Yeah. So, you know, a basic bow that uh, whatever type of arrow rest works for you, whatever type of release system works for you, um, whether you're going to shoot pins or shoot instinct. <laughs> whatever you shoot, <laughs> pins are instinctive, you know, um, where you have a yeah. stabilizer or some sort on there just to take some shock out of it and, and the arrows that we've talked about, and that will be a killing weapon for you. Mm-hmm. It's most important that you know your weapon and your effective mm-hmm. You know? I, I think your effective killing range is, <laughs> it is paramount, man. Yeah. A lot of guys, and, and I'm going to tell you another thing, Joe, that I think with the gear basics, uh, or weapon basics is don't shoot an elk if you don't know how far he is. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how mm-hmm. far he is, what, what are we slinging an arrow at him for? Yeah, that's, yeah. You know? and, and that's really more on the hunt and the closing basics and those types of things like that. But the, gotcha. the basic weapon itself that you're using, right. you know, that's kind of what we're talking about there. Now, when we come mm-hmm. back next time, guys, yeah. we're going to talk about where to hunt basics. Okay. Um, you know, everybody's like, well, where do I go? You know, um, mm-hmm. where do I find elk? How do I find elk? You know, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, just the basics of it and try to simplify it as much as possible for you. And we'll do that next week. Well, I'm telling you, man, it's been fantastic to listen to the masters of basics. I mean, you've had Joe Gillia who's hunted elk, you know, since, uh, Geronimo's been running in the country and, uh, and I mean, all these cats have been doing it for a long time. I've gotten to ride the coattails with these guys and, um, you know, 
learn from them and it's uh it's really good to get back to gear basics you know because it reiterates what we're fixing to come up and do with travis and the boys and uh, we can't wait to see what canada has i've never you know been to canada and calgary uh just on business trips but i've never gotten to hunt canada so we're so so excited and so appreciative travis can't wait to get up there with you guys and and uh, start calling some bulls in man it's going to be a lot of fun we're pretty excited too. The boys are just jumping at the bit. I can tell you that. I can and, imagine. And can ever imagine. since I heard, uh, actually I heard this a couple of weeks ago, Joe's actually been hunting for like 80 years. <laughs> we like to give him a hard time, man. I can tell some stories about some guys that uh, that they ran into in the woods and they thought he was Luis and Manano's grandpa, man. That's hilarious, dude. Yeah. Travis, but you got to be careful, though, because the first bow he bought was the same yeah. bow you had. I know. So, I don't know. That says a lot about how long you've been hunting, too. That, that's pretty scary. I know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that old bow that I had, my old bear white tail, I shot over nine deer before I ever hit one because it's so loud. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like a 30 out six going off when you cut it loose. It was annoying. I shot with a little finger tab, you know. And, yeah. Uh, Unreal. Chad, yeah, you had the Nova, are... too, right? Didn't you? Shoot? Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Mm-hmm. I tell you that's what, so man. Long. That was a that was a shooting little bow, man. It really was. Yeah. I put it out there, and uh, it was it was we were dangerous <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I didn't really want to even get rid of mine, honestly. I went from that to a high country, and man, oh I, wow, wow, I, that's I, a that's yeah. a crazy cool bow. Yeah, yeah, totally was. I, I don't even think they make them anymore. But <laughs> no, it was made by Golden Eagle or Anita or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we really are showing our Okay, show. yeah, that's good. Guys, <laughs> guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. you got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us. So you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And check us out at Elk Bros Adventures, too, guys, if you're wanting to come on a on a coached hunt with the Elk Bros crew, man. Uh, just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your question to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yes, sir. And for all our grinders out there, we're going to have some more of our brother Tony Wintrip's music to close out the show. Tony, Tony. Peace, peace, everybody. See you in two weeks. Strap on those spikes, boy. Leave the world behind. There's dreams here to chase. You got the rest of your life. The grass is cut. The dirt is dry.
sail and set the field on fire. The stands are full of boys and girls, they all come to admire the way you throw the fastball or the way you're gonna rip that fender. Still on the hardwood If you don't run between them lines 